You know you want to build long-term passive wealth. You know that rental income properties are the best path to do it. You're looking for the right way for you. But you're not an average investor. And you don't just want a realtor and a property manager. You want a real solution that keeps you informed, keeps your cash flow coming, and doesn't drain away your most valuable asset, your time. You need a great company that you can trust to deliver a great experience in a great market. So look no further. This is the Not Your Average Investor Show. I'm your host, Pablo Gonzalez, and I'm here to help you learn about rental property investing, understand what it takes to execute it at a high level, and learn about one of the best markets for it in the United States, Jacksonville, Florida. All this through the story of a remarkable company and the knowledge of my co-host, JWB co-founder, Greg Cohen. Now go join our Facebook group, our community of over a thousand savvy investors like you. Go to www.jwbfacebookgroup.com and just join your tribe. So smash that subscribe button, get ready to learn from extraordinary people. You are not an average investor anymore. And this is the Not Your Average Investor Show. We're here with Adam Eisman and Greg Cohen. Adam, how are you doing, man? Doing wonderful. Doing well, Greg, how are you doing? Hanging in there, brother. Fantastic. Adam, I like to let people introduce themselves instead of introducing for them. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, I will introduce myself. Yes. Uh, Adam Eisman, uh, CEO, JW Real Estate Capital. Um, father of eight-month-old Blakely. Live out at the beach with my wife, Jillian. Uh, we've been together 16 years. And um, avid baseball golfer and, uh, and a coach at heart. Cool, man. Excellent. How did you arrive to JWB, Adam? Tell us, tell us the origin story of you coming on board here. Sure. So uh, one of our four business partners, Adam Regal, and I were college buddies. He actually used to work for me uh, back in college at a restaurant uh, called Stonewood. Mm-hmm. Um, in between uh, undergrad and grad, I started managing it, and he came on board, and then uh, we were quick friends. I moved in with him, so I was his, uh, his tenant. He was my employee. One of those fun little <laughs> mixed matches. Um, we stayed in contact uh, for many years after college. He joined uh, JWB in 06 with Greg and Alex and uh, would constantly keep me posted on the business. I went out to Houston, worked for the Astros for five years. And, um, you know, it was interesting to hear him and his business exploits, the ups, the downs. Real estate, obviously, 07, 08, 09 was a wild time. And, um, and my wife was originally from Jacksonville, so... I think uh, I let him know in probably summer of 09 that we were kicking around the idea of uh, coming back to Florida, and that certainly started the discussion about if there was an opportunity with JWB. Okay. So let me give a little more, like, <laughs> Please, Greg. So awesome. Eisman was always, like, our number one, like, prospect of, like, who we were going to bring into the business. So he might have only thought that, like, the... The, the courting process, like the recruiting process started at that point, like later on. But Adam Regal talked about Adam Eisman for like years. And he's like, I'm going to get this guy. And when Adam Regal like says that he's going to bring somebody it's onto like our team, a China shop. He, he's going to do it. He's, I've never seen him not True. accomplish it. So 
It's you, happened many times. You were in the sights for many, many years. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I'm, you got book after book, right? I mean, that's, that's it. I did. I did. From, from July of 2009 to probably March of 2010, I probably got five or six books in the mail. Um, strategic books. Strategic books about <laughs> how you hate corporate America and why would you ever not much. work for yourself and <laughs> you're, grossly, yeah, you're grossly underpaid and underappreciated. Come do better. So it was... The it was, suck. Yeah, I hate baseball. No, it was teeing me up to ultimately, obviously, come on board. The, the challenge at the time, ironically, was... So I met Greg and Alex for the first time in May of 09 at Adam Regal's bachelor party. Mm-hmm. And uh, where was the bachelor party? It was in Boulder, Colorado. Right, that's how we got to say it. All right, so Boulder, Colorado. So uh, Greg and I hit it off real well, and obviously two like minds, two like personalities, real easy to get along with. And I'm like, oh, well, that'd be an easy guy to you know get along with in business. And then I met Alex, <laughs> and, and literally, I won't go into too much detail, but I mean, within probably ten meeting, ten minutes of meeting Alex, someone was pouring a beer on his head. We were getting kicked out of a club, and I'm like. This is the dude I'm gonna work for. I'm like, yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. I'm like, no way. And and honestly, that was just the beginning. That was the first ten minutes. Yeah. We had another three days of that same same experience. So um, I was very. Alex was at a different time in his life at that point, obviously, and I was very concerned about the business with him leading the charge. So okay. awesome. we'll leave it at that. That's pretty funny. So what was that? What was the, I'm going to get Adam Eisman, like, what was that conversation, right? Like, was it, I need a skilled operator? Is that, is that kind of what the, what the conversation was? No, you know, Adam, and I remember being a part of that conversation, mm -hmm. and Adam Regal would say, this guy is going to crush it. And we were like, kind of the same kind of question. Well, is he a skilled operator? Mm -hmm. Like, is he really smart? Is he really good with people? And he's like, just, I'm just telling you, if you get Eisman on board, he's going to crush it. He is all those things. He's, he's, you know, he's, it's, it's the atmosphere, the culture, what he brings. And so, um, so when Adam Regal said that we were all on board, we tried to fly, well, we flew this guy in, even though we didn't have any money at that point, that was like pretty much our last dime, just so you know, and we Appreciate flew you in and, and, uh, and, and we just wanted a game changer in our business. We knew that with our goals at that point, that the pie that we were trying to to build here uh -huh. was much bigger. We couldn't accomplish it yeah. with with the three of us. We knew that there was a place for Adam. We didn't know what capacity. In fact, when we brought him on, uh, he was working. I, he, I managed him on the sales floor. What was the sales floor like at that point? Adam? There was no such thing as a sales floor, Greg. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was unknown. There was no product, no prospects, no marketing, <laughs> really no vision. Uh -huh. um, there was uh, it was kind of like sell something and figure it out and. Um, and it was, it took me a long time to kind of adapt to that entrepreneurial mentality. You know, you go from corporate America where day one, all right, here's your job description, here's your training material, you know exactly what you're going to do to where, I mean, it was probably three, four months in where I had no direction, no vision. And it was like, just go to work. And I'm like, go to work where? Like, you know, the database has no prospects, no leads. I'm just calling random people to try to figure, figure it out. We had to figure out how to package and sell and price our product and it was a wild time in the business. I mean, it was really a lot up in the air and it wasn't until probably six to 12 months later that we started to make sense of it and, and find a path. But it took me a long time to embrace the mentality of, all right, it's my job to figure this out. No one's going to kind of lead me down a certain path or offer direction or training. It's, Hey, figure it out, man, make it happen. And that was kind of once I turned the corner is I think when we all turned the corner uh, and we started kind of have a bit of a vision, which was nice. Interesting. So 
when you turned that corner and you're like, I need to make this happen, what's the first thing you started working on? Like, what was, it, what was your first, like, big initiative that you would say that you took on? Uh, I think, you know, we made the decision to start the property management business. That was a key piece of the equation. Mm -hmm. um, we brought on another one of my college buddies, Mike Stetson, to run it. So yeah. that was a big piece of it. Um, and then I think we did a uh, kind of like a cash flow buying tour, if you will, in August where we invited largely it was our family or our friends or yeah, people that we knew just to kind of do a test run. And we ended up selling a handful of homes. Uh, but preparing for that was cool because it allowed us to start the marketing angle to start the pricing angle, to start the, um, the product angle, and, and really refine the pitch uh, of teaching and coaching as opposed to selling. And obviously, once we embraced that, the rest kind of fell into place. Interesting. So, all right, so then what was, what was the company doing? You said you had no product and, and, and whatever, right? But what, uh, what, what, what was it actually selling when you got here and then you went on sure. this cash flow of inventory? Yeah. So I think when, when I got here, they were doing a 100% cash out refi product where someone was able to buy a home with nothing down, right? And then the mortgage climate had changed right before I started mm -hmm. to where the only way you could sell an investment property was with 20 to 25% down, mm -hmm. which at the time was probably somewhere in the you know, 20 to 30 grand ballpark. Mm -hmm. So when I came on board, most of the folks that were prospects, they didn't have the capital available. They weren't uh, able to, to take advantage of a, an investment property at that time. And also at that point, a turnkey rental property, the market, the concept, the notion, nobody had ever heard of it. So it was a completely ambiguous, n new to market type concept that we were trying to find our niche and find mm -hmm. our angle. So, um, and they, at the time we were also selling to first time home buyers. So we were, we were angling towards first-time home buyers in that market. Yeah. But that was largely through grant programs, too, that largely dried up at that time. So yeah, it, was, it was a changing mortgage climate and tremendously. And we were doing a whole bunch of other stuff, too. We were sort of jacks, a jack-of-all-trade, a master of none yeah. at that point. We were average, maybe above average, maybe below average, and a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about the evolution of our business, you know, one of the keys was when you and I sort of led the charge just to say, Enough of all that other stuff. Yep. What we call turnkey investment properties, yep. where people can buy a house and, you know, rent it out and make a great mm -hmm. return on investment and have us do the management. That became our sole focus. That was was that 2012 we did that. 2011. 2011. Yeah, it was April or May of 2011 when we we flew to Memphis and then um, Orange County together. Mm -hmm. We were together for like 10 days straight and we came back and. We're like, all right, we're not doing anything else. We're only doing this. Let's talk about the, the, the tour that we put on in Orange County. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, that is great. That was a rough one. <laughs> what do you remember? So Okay, so lay, lay the scene. So we lay out this grand vision. We had some success selling investment properties to individuals through a tour, right, to bring people on site. And we said, well, that's great. We're taking this thing national. <laughs> So now we're going to go to different cities across the country. We picked the most expensive and the farthest from us to organize a tour uh, where we would basically uh, sell our investment properties in a seminar. And so we go out to Orange County and we do that. We, we get like, you know, like 100 people that register. Of course, it didn't cost anything to register. So How are you driving registrants at this point? This is pre-Facebook being easy yeah, to do. Yeah, pre-everything. This is yeah. like we had like a... I don't know. We sent an email out. Right? I'm not sure, right? We probably took a newspaper ad out or something. Like, and we're like, all right. So we spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to put this thing on. We had what, like, eight people show up? Uh, I would have <laughs> said five. I mean, we we probably had at the time we probably had 13 or 14 people. I worked at JDBB, 
and we probably had 10 or 11 of them at Orange County. <laughs> we had more and we had like employees. five registrants that actually showed up. So it was like a two to three, two or three to one ratio as far as us to them. It was a, it was an ugly scene. And I think it was very sobering and, and humbling. And for us, it was, okay, let's figure out what, what we're doing. And when we came back, we made the decision to go all in on that model. Um, kind of not the the tour model. <laughs> no, 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 no. We took it off the national stage. We then went to phone sales, which has largely been incredibly successful, and invited people to to Jacksonville to see yes. us, which was uh, which was the much smarter play, considering that's where the homes existed, that's where we existed. I'm going to take credit for that part of the decision. I think it was your decision to do the cash flow tour in, in Orange County. Perfect. Right. Yeah, it sounds right. Anything anything that works is clearly your idea. Clearly. Or Alex's. <laughs> and anything that fails is clearly mine. So we're good. Nothing's changed. Breaks, Nothing's changed a decade later. We're good. <laughs> so, what was it about? What was it about pivoting into this like new category, like creating this category that made you, that made so much sense? Uh, so, I think there was an appeal at that time from a market perspective, both mm -hmm. from our ability to buy, produce, but I think for us it was the platform to build a team, right? Which is really what I love and what you know fires me up about every single day at, at the office here is. At that point, with a, you know, 12, 13 people at JWB, it was more of a hodgepodge of individuals mm -hmm. not on the same path, not working for the same focus and outcome and production and experience to the client. Whereas if we unilaterally went all in, we could rally a bunch of individuals, like-minded, that all brought something to the table for the same output, for the same consistent results. And that's really what happened. I mean, and that was, that was a key change to our mentality. And it's allowed for a, a lot of fun along the way because you're – you're working with a lot of highly skilled, high motivated, energetic people that make you better each and every day that, you know, they challenge you when you're off kilter. So it's been a fun experience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. I'm hearing if you can be very clear on your destination, it's much easier to get people to walk the path. Of course. You. It's key, right? Yeah. yeah for if, sure. if everyone has the same, you know, target and same uh, mission in mind, you know, the path is a lot more fun and you're able to rally a lot of people you know, along that same path. Yeah, cool, man. Clarity of purpose. And, you know, I've been a, I'm going to probably talk about these a lot, but those Tuesday morning meetings, I mean, like I, you know, the first one I got to, you were, you, you were presenting the 2020 yeah. vision and it's just such a clear indication of where everyone's going and the engagement that everybody has. Yeah. It's just remarkable, man. And, and the other really remarkable thing that I see in y'all's company is this four person partnership of all guys that could be all the CEO sure. or all, you know, the CEO or whatever yeah. that gets along really, really well. Could you could you give me a breakdown of what you think sure. your three partners bring to the table? Like what's 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 each one's superpower that makes it all go? Yeah, I mean I it's really it's really a common question and it, it's bizarre in the you know in the climate to have four leaders all with kind of, you know, uh, equal involvement and equal say and, yeah. and largely um, the fact that we're all stubborn and always right makes things incredibly challenging. <laughs> so, um, no, I think, you know, we've kind of settled in the last couple of years as far as our true roles. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Alex is the visionary, right? He's yeah. the one who's always going to push the boundaries, bring new ideas to the table, uh, make us step outside of our comfort zone to, to analyze whether or not it's a, worth us taking a slightly uh, riskier opportunity uh, and layering it onto the business, which is always healthy. I think Greg is kind of the complete polar opposite where – you know, he's going to be the more conservative uh, person amongst the four of us where he's going to make sure that we're very thoughtful on what we do, very, um, you know, intentional and, and certainly risk averse to some degree where 
Uh, he's going to think about what's going to happen in the next 50 years as opposed to the next five seconds like Alex. Um, and then Adam and I are largely your operators, your, your coaches, um, you know, largely leading the charge on most of the day-to-day. -day. We've got, you know, Adam largely involved right now in babysitting Alex, which is very important and a huge weight <laughs> off of our shoulders because we've both had that role in the past and that is not a fun job. Yeah. Um, it's I, a lot to handle, man. He brings so much to the business, but boy, it's, it's tough to corral him. I had a lot more hair and I was not nearly as gray before I had the babysitting <laughs> role for like five years. I was much better looking and now I'm a disaster. So I aged like 10 years in five years. It's amazing how that works. I like the consistent portrayal of Alex as the Tasmanian devil inside the <laughs> It's 100% fair. Absolutely. He's a wild man. He's a hurricane is his nickname. So he's, he's the hurricane through the office. He's, you know, completely chaos around him. Yeah. I always, I always depict the picture of like, a, you know, in a comic, you have a guy strolling down like the center and heart of downtown. Yeah. And behind him is like buildings crashing <laughs> oh, and yeah. cars, you know, running into people and all sorts of like chaos unfolding. And he's just kind of bouncing around, <laughs> happily strolling through, tippy-toeing through, you know, downtown. That's Alex, you know. And it's the three of us behind him it's cleaning really up good. his mess a lot of times. That's really good. That's good, man. So, so how do you... How do you keep the peace in that, man? Like, how do you guys, what, like, what methods of, like, communication do you guys, have you guys have some, something like that, like, in order to yeah. not create resentment, not, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I think it's interesting. Like, we've been in good times and bad times in business, right? Yeah, and yeah. we, you know, we, we argue, we um, collaborate, we make each other better. Um, we always kind of come to resolve, regardless of the time. But certainly, when we're challenging each other in good times, it's a lot easier to kind of expedite that process right yeah, so yeah, i think yeah. that you know that's the the biggest thing is obviously hone in on the success of the business and then you're able to come to resolution quicker but i i think it's you know we have to hear each other out right so yeah. i think you have to hear the other's first point of view and and welcome it and not come to an immediate answer uh, but we've all kind of taken our roles like we were talking about it just this week where you know i like to kind of speak my mind first and then sit back and let everyone else discuss Adam Regal's the one that, you know, absolutely always has the last word. He keeps quiet, lets everyone else talk it out, and then he wants to kind of, this is my opinion, after hearing everyone else's perspective. So, so we've all kind of, you know, taken our approaches and, uh, and, and our roles, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a consistently evolving process. So there's not any which playbook that works exceptionally well. It's, uh, I think it's just you have to be mindful and respect the fact that you're working with three incredibly intelligent people yeah. that, um, that complement you exceptionally well, and... I think the truth is the you know the collaborative uh, results of the four is much greater than any individual you know thought process of the one or the individual the sum of the individual parts. So that makes a lot of sense. I think one one element in our evolution of communication that has stood out to me is the idea of consensus decision making. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. Because you know consensus decision making is the art or and the skill of being able to support a decision that may not be yours, but to support it fully. Yeah. And at the core of how we communicate is, is based on consensus decision-making, which was not natural to no, us, which was a skill difficult. that we had to learn. Really hard. If you go back to the beginning of JWB, you know, it was a voting process, right? It was a, and especially before Adam, there were three of us, so it was a voting process, and that how, that's how things you know, were decided upon. Well, the problem is in a voting process, the person who loses that vote still has the ability They're bitter. To, yeah, to be bitter about it, to not give their full support towards something. Yeah. And so we learned this. We had a great mentor who taught us this skill. And I think that at the core of how we're able to communicate so well is That's that huge. when I don't get my way, when he doesn't get his way, he knows that I'm still going to support 
what the mission of the of the of the company is or what the decision is. The end result that, of that discussion. Yeah, is, yeah. Exactly. Which is really hard. It takes a, uh, a lack of ego, um, humility, and I think at the core of why we've been able to make it work is is probably that. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a humility to acknowledge that. You know, I made the joke earlier. We're always right. We're always right at the end of the day after the consensus has been made. You know, leading up to it, obviously, there's a lot of bickering and, and yeah. whatnot. But interesting. Absolutely. That's very interesting, man. So. You came here, the company was something else. Now yeah. it's 85 employee, 80 something employees. Yeah. It has a bajillion departments. Oh, yeah. You're doing all these things. What does JWB look like in 10 years in your eyes? You know, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be largely comparable to what it is now. Um, I think we'll have a greater impact on the community, have an opportunity to do more charitable endeavors, more um, community efforts. But I think the kind of core of who we are. Yeah. Uh, is going to be very comparable. I think the, you know, the number of teammates will be slightly more, but nothing crazy. I think we'll continually challenge ourselves to be more efficient over time, uh, do more with less, and and attract considerably um, better and better talent as we, you know, the four of us probably take a step back in the day to day and move more towards our passion projects. We allow the talented folks around us to take monumental leaps forward and carry the business into the next decade. Interesting. So I, I would imagine to do that, you, you know, you must be you must be investing in in, in other things as well, right? Passion projects, or whatever. Yeah. So so how do how do you approach investing? What are, what is your invest investment philosophy outside of? I'm sure you have turnkey rental properties, and, of course, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, I yeah, think yeah. I think the four of us kind of practice what we preach, right? So yeah. we're we're heavily vested in the real estate space. Yeah. That's where we believe the greatest opportunity for us is. But you know, some of the things that we're doing. In 2020, that was so far-fetched. In, in 2010, was you know investment in the downtown core of Jacksonville, which is something that'll have tremendous dividends for our clients, for us, for the community for many years to come. You know, focus uh, in time and effort and um, financial uh, investment in regards to our, you know JWB Cares nonprofit platform, mm -hmm. uh, where we're able to you know build homes for uh, those that need, which is awesome. We're talking a lot about. Um, uh, homelessness and a way to provide affordable housing um, to those that need in that capacity. So there's just a lot going on right now as far as opportunity for us to leave a greater impact beyond just the day-to-day -day business. Uh, it has some ancillary benefits within the business, of course, sure. but those are kind of those passion projects that I'm talking about as far as the investment of, of our time and our efforts and our inclination. It's very cool, man. I mean, yeah. th this has been an awesome conversation for me, right? Like, I, I'll, I'll kind of tee it up to Greg to to sum it up here, Adam, thank you for this. Of course. Very educational. I know you hate being on camera. I but do. I think, I do. You, I think you've done great, man. You this nailed been a very it. You just signed yourself up for another oh, man, six I just, interviews. I just can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. No, appreciate uh, you being here today. And, and more than that, I mean, what a, what a run we've been yeah. on. 2010 it's been awesome. to, to now. It's, it's exciting to see where we're going to be the next year, the next five years, the next ten years. So looking forward to the ride with you, brother. Amen, brother. Cool, man. Good talk. Good talk. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed making it for you. If you're listening to this podcast, it means that you know that you can use passive income to pay for your kid's college, retire comfortably, or maybe even travel the world. Well, we want to help you get there. So go to chatwithjwb.com, pick out times that work for you, and let our team connect the dots between your specific situation and your passive income goals, whatever they are. We've literally helped thousands of people make the most of this asset class, and I'm sure we can help you too. 
You can be a busy professional that's either looking to retire early or at least build enough passive income to not feel trapped by your job. You can be somebody that lives in a prohibitively expensive market like California, New York, Boston, or Chicago, get into owning rental income properties. You can be somebody that only has a 401k or an IRA that's exclusively in stocks and bonds. You can use those funds to diversify into rental real estate. You can be a real estate flipper looking for the easiest way to start their passive income stream. Does that sound like you? If it does, go to chatwithjwb.com and I'm sure we can help you too.